my name is Trisha Ross. I'm from Pittsburgh, PA. Uh, grew up with dogs all my life. Our family dogs that we seem to have like a unending chain of, of this breed was the Boxer. Um, some of our favorite dogs, most gentle dogs. Um, when I was a teenager, we got a Rottweiler, my favorite, my most favorite dog ever. I haven't had another one since, but really loved um, that girl. And I'm, I'm actually looking into possibly getting another Rottweiler if I'm lucky enough. Um, and so from there, actually, it's kind of funny. One day I was like walking down the street and I, I see some guy with a dog and I said, yeah, what is that? Is that a boxer or a pit bull or what kind of dog is that? And he's like, oh, no, this is an old English bulldog. And I thought, well, that is a cool-looking dog. I've never seen something like that. So, you know, just having experience with the boxer and then seeing, like, the old and thinking, like, wow, it's kind of similar, very beefy, you know, much more bone, not as tall. I, I looked into that breed, and I was seeing all this, you know, oh, they're, like, the healthy alternative to the British bulldog and... You know, I don't have any of the breathing problems, much more athletic. So I ended up getting an old and uh, ended up having the worst health problems I'd ever had with a dog ever. You know, I had boxers forever. They've got their own kinky problems. They can have seizures and, and you know, prone to certain cancers. And But this was the first time, I mean, that Rottweiler I had, that dog had never had a single thing wrong with her ever we had even had a couple of german shepherds growing up nothing but the oldie once i got it it was a dilute um it was like a blue sable he had skin problems elbow dysplasia hip dysplasia we had everything we got we ended up getting another one again dilute uh liver nose they call it chocolate ended up having skin problems with that dog and so then I started, like, researching just bulldogs, you know? Like, really, are they as bad as they get the rap for? Like, what, what's up with this? Start researching, finding a, a lot of breeders, actually, that are out there health-testing these dogs and getting good hip scores and elbows and trachs. And, you know, that was the way I really thought was the way to do this. You know, we don't have to recreate a new breed or say we're recreating you know, the bulldog of, of old time. No, you just got to find yourself a good breeder and healthy stock, and you'll find yourself a really good athletic bulldog, you know. The really, people give them a rap as like, oh, they're couch potatoes or they're this. You know, I've had quite a few that were actually very drivey. We've got run, one right now that's got agility titles on her. Um, I've had one, uh, uh, one of my, my favorite bitches here that just she could run the agility course she got a cgc she was had a trick dog title uh ukc championship i mean every anything i asked that dog to do she'd do it um unfortunately i think a lot of people have taken advantage of the breed um because you know they're expensive you know and then you you throw in some fad breeding like we've seen with the color breeding and some, you know, breeding unhealthy animals, and then we've got, you know, a wrap on a breed that says they're unhealthy, they have a short lifespan, you know, they'll they'll die, and they, they do have sensitivities This we have to be aware of, you know, when we purchase these dogs, they're, you know, you've got to be careful in the heat, 
um, careful in the cold because they're short-coated. Um, but they're dogs that are meant to they sprint short distance. They're not meant to run and run and run and run, but they can be very active. Like I said, very drivey. We've, there are a bunch right now. If anybody listening wants to go see some really healthy, athletic bulldogs, there is a group um, on Facebook, and it is called Bulldogs in Performance Events. Go check it out. There is a little female bulldog by the name of Stella right now. Um, Lucy Hayes owns her. They were just at the AKC Agility National last weekend. I mean, there are people out there doing great things with bulldogs. Um, I think, unfortunately, some of the people that, that don't know what they're doing, they want to breed for these exaggerated features, you know, over-wrinkle. Um, they want their dogs to kind of be overweight, to exaggerate that. And if, if you read the breed standard, these dogs should not be exaggerated at all. If you breed to the standard, you should be producing healthy dogs. Um, so, again, I just started researching, finding people that had um, a mindset, you know, to, to breed dogs not hide their dogs, you know, so I, I do like showing. I like people that show or do anything with their dogs. Number one, it's the best thing you can do for your dog because dogs aren't dumb. They need a lot of mental stimulation, um, and they do need exercise regardless of what breed it is. So I, I look to those people because they don't hide their dogs. Their dogs are being judged. Their dogs are being put in multiple situations where you can evaluate temperament. You can see the movement of the dog to see if it's healthy. Um, so I, I really like to look to breeders that do that sort of thing. Now, it doesn't have to be AKC. There's all kinds of different registries out there for people to do events. You can have a dog neutered and still show it. You can go to UKC events. You know, there's, there's all kinds of different things to do with dogs, and I, I think that's very important. So I started to find, look to some breeders that, you know, were, were good and like-minded with, like, wanting a health test and, those are the people we got to surround, you know, surround ourselves with, and we got to um, take their advice and their opinion, especially the people that have been in the sport much longer than we have, or been working with the breed for much longer than those of us that are new, or those of us who are just looking to purchase a dog, and we say, oh, look at that color, that's so cool, you know, but then you start researching some of these colors, you got to understand why they were bred out of the dog, you know, or why being overdone isn't healthy for a dog like this, you know? Um, so I ended up, it, it, a lot of breeders, a lot of really good bulldog breeders kind of have their stock what's called gate kept. So it's, it's kind of hard to get um, some of these really good show lines and stuff. You kind of got to work your way into it. You got to build trust. Um, and you've really got to demonstrate that you have the breed first and foremost in everything that you're doing. So when I say that, you know, when you try to get these dogs or even anybody who wants to breed them, really you should always, the goal should always be to breed to better the breed, always. Um, you always want to breed up. So whatever you have in your yard, you should want to find a specimen if you want to bring it into your program that you feel complements and betters everything that you have. Um, and with a bulldog, it's important that we do that 100%. Just because of what I was saying, how, you know, we've, we, the breed kind of has this bad rap for being unhealthy, you know, 
we really got to do our best with this one. Um, so it was difficult to get into really good show lines, but I, I ended up meeting someone from Oklahoma. Thank God I met her. She's a, a lovely lady. Um, she helped me get my first bulldog, and his sire came from one of the best breeders in the country. His name was Joel Wilson. He's in Oklahoma. Um, he's produced some fantastic dogs. Um, one of the biggest out was Decker, um, and he was the number one bulldog and, and fantastic bulldog. Um, so the dog I had, he was very, he had very active, very drivey, very healthy. He never had an issue ever. Beautiful front, strong shoulders. Um, I didn't like his head so much as far as, like, bulldogs are supposed to have a particular layback, you know, the, the tip of the lower lip and the, the top of the skull you want to have, like, kind of this, this slanted layback, and his wasn't so hot. He kind of had what they call, like, a shelfie head, but his body, his angulation, his drive, everything was fantastic. So I felt like he was a really good dog, you know, to start with. Um, then I got a female. She had some really neat lines. She had had like Russian lines in her, so I knew she wasn't going to be. Um, I tried to do like a, I guess a little bit of an outcross and then bring them back in when we do breeding. So she was very much unrelated to the male that I had. So um, brought her in. Said let's evaluate her for a while. And again, very healthy, no issues with her. Um, and then I thought, you know, if I'm really going to do this, I got to start health testing. So I started doing some health testing. I became friends with a woman named Tony who's in Missouri right now. And, you know, a lot of these people, it's funny because of social media, you can meet so many people, but never have met them in person. And they can really help you to read pedigrees, to, you know, learn to, to look at people that have, you know, good stock. And, and at one time, before I, I started to get into the standard dogs and all the health testing, you know, all the fad breeding was like a big, was coming out and all these rare colored bulldogs and all this stuff. And she was really one of the people that was like, you know, you got to look into some of this stuff because this is probably more than likely junk. And, you know, so she and I, we actually started looking at the pedigrees of a lot of these dogs and we were able to find that most of them were crossbred, actually crossed with Old English and that's how they were kind of producing these rare colors. You know, they're not even rare, you know, but they've got their whole their whole marketing uh, info that they want to tell you, like, oh, these colors have been here forever, and, and this is this, and blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, liver color has been a, a DQ in the standard since the early 1900s, you know, So and, and things were bred out for a reason, but regardless, anyway followed those pedigrees, you know, started again looking at the show people, looking at their pedigrees, seeing like a long standing lines of like healthy, beautiful dogs. So I said, if I'm going to breed these two dogs, I got to health test them. So I, I did what I did. A lot of people just do like DNA, you know, swab testing. Um, we, I like to go ahead and get some of the majors like elbows, you know, trach, some of those things we need to make sure that the dog is very sound. Um, some people don't believe in it. Some people feel like you can evaluate a dog, see its movement, and you'll know straight up that it's 
it's healthy, you know, if the gate's correct. Um, but I, I think if we're going to be responsible, we got to do the most that we can. There's lots of things that we can't see, um, some of which are some of the um, kidney and bladder stones that bulldogs are prone to. So we really, those things we can breed out pretty easily. You know, you just, it's a simple test and, and it's, it's 45 bucks for a test. I tell everybody, go do it before you even think of breeding an animal, whether you want to breed for pets or breed for, you know, the greatest dog. Just do some of these simple things. It will, you'll save yourself a lot of heartache and a lot of other people some heartache by just doing some of these tests. And, and we really can get rid of, of, of some of these diseases that can plague the breed. But so I did that first. I got those two dogs. I, uh, health test them and and, uh i bred them and i got you know out of out of the puppies i had from those two you know i i felt like i had one or two i could try and show i was just trying to like legitimize myself you know again like i was saying you always want to do better you know so i was like well look we got to separate ourselves from all these people out here who are you know just breeding to breed so tried to find good dogs and I tried to health test them you know and then the next step was all right let's show them let's get them out there let's show what we're we're producing here so um showing is very difficult it's very difficult when you start uh, especially being a new person especially also a new person with like lines that you're bringing forth yourself you know people don't know you they don't they don't know what you have or what you're able to do so you get knocked around so if there's anybody out there who's thinking of trying it absolutely try showing it give it your hand you know don't get discouraged it's very tough at first um also when you love a dog and somebody dumps it <laughs> it can be very painful but you just got to get yourself up and keep going and sometimes and most often your first show dog isn't really a show dog it's it's really the dog that you learn from and you really learn the breed and you get out there and you get your feet wet you know and from doing that, keeping a couple of, of dogs that I had from, from that original breeding pair, you know, I, I produced some, some dogs that I felt were nice, that were good. They didn't have some of the features that I feel are important. Um, bulldogs are kind of a head breed, so the, the head's very important in the way that it looks. Um, they're supposed to have what's called a rose ear. And the dogs I was producing, their ears would rose, but if they were at alerts or attention, the ear would prick a little bit. And that was kind of something that came from that male that I, I had. He had, I mean, aside from having the greatest health, he had very thick ears and they were a little bit high set. So I felt like what I was producing was creating a look. They're perfect for pets, perfect for everything. But if I wanted to move forward and really say, hey, I've got something here that resembles what our breed is supposed to ideally I, I knew I wasn't having that so by showing started meeting more people um, making friends and I was lucky enough to uh, be, be befriended by um, Barbara Morgan and, and Karen Simmons at our legacy Bulldogs and they mentored me and they allowed me to use one of their studs who was a great best in specialty show grand champion bronze bulldog they took him very far 
got to use him, bring that into my lines. And I produced a bitch from that line that was just, uh, I love her. Love her to this day. Very, very drivey. Um, she really didn't like showing very much, even though I, I basically pointed her out when she was, you know, under a year, I think. Um, but she was doing it for me. She didn't really like showing that much, but I, I took her to classes constantly. So we would do, like, basic commands course. We'd take it, like, three times just because she, she enjoyed it so much. And we'd run through, like, the agility stuff. We'd do some obedience stuff. She got her CGC title. Um, she got a trick dog, novice trick dog title. And, and we could have gone much further with all of that, too. But she she really was a very, very fun dog. Um, like I'm saying, not, the, not that stereotype that we have out there where they're kind of like couch potatoes and all that. Definitely not. She was very clean-looking. Um, and by that, I mean, not too much heavy wrinkle. Now, bulldogs are supposed to have some wrinkle in the forehead, of course. Um, they do have a nose wrinkle. And it can bridge the nose or it can be divided at the nose, what have you. But they're supposed to have one. But in no way should it obscure the nose or should those features, features be so um, exaggerated that it takes away from the wholeness of the animal. So she's a very clean, clean-looking female, very nice female. She was a little bit short-backed, but she was a good dog. Um, again, took her back to another really good dog um, from our legacy bulldogs. Um, his name is Chili. He did a lot. He was a best-in-specialty show dog, too. Um, he was sired by a national winner and he had some some national winners in his pedigree too again super healthy um had hips done his sire had hips done they had trachs done um and one good thing that the bulldog club of america started doing in the last couple of years is they developed an ambassador for health program um so depending on how many health tests you get they've come out with breed specific tests that you can do um they started doing that the more you have you know let's say there's different levels you can be silver gold platinum health ambassador so you know i started looking into that saying you know we got to find dogs that are the you know some of the best we can use that are great confirmationally but so healthy went that route um and now i have the male that i'm showing right now and i'm really really happy with him he is 100 percent healthy um there's a couple things I change, you know, you'd always change a couple of things, like he could, his tail's a little tight, um, I would prefer to have a looser, longer tail, um, he has a good layback, his head's good, I, I like his teeth, they're supposed to have like a wider jaw, like, that could be a little wider, but other than that, he is fantastic, he is silly, he's a showman, he loves to show, um, and that's something with that breed too. Like they, they should be happy. They should be um, have a lot of vigor, stability, you know. And and I feel like he he exemplifies it. I love that dog. I have a really nice female right now too. Again, from health tested parents that she's she's still young. Um, COVID has really screwed up a lot of stuff for many people. So um, we didn't get to get out and show as much as we'd like. But hopefully now in the summer we'll get moving out again. Um, pretty much around May, everything picks up over Memorial Day, so we're getting geared up to get back out the month of May. 
said she's a really nice female again i brought in some outside lines with that so she has um a kobo miles my style like some of the really really good um british lines from overseas um she's got some stuff from spain in the line um it's it's nice it's really nice and and so again you know you never know what you're going to end up with when you you breed these dogs across them but i think if you have the breed in mind and bettering it and health testing you know you you can't go wrong again it you can't you know not everything is like you can't make sure that you might have an, an accident you know everybody has going to have like a problem once in a while but with this with this breed particularly like we got to do it good you just got to do it right I'm, I'm one of those people do it right or don't do it you know go big or go home and and uh yeah that's where i'm at just loving the bulldogs right now and again when i, I get out and show bulldogs i just love being s- surrounded by those dogs and some of those breeders that have been doing this for years again like those are the people we got to listen to because they've actually been taking care of this breed for much longer than us mm-hmm. and the new people out there who are you know out there just to make money if you think you're going to breed this animal and, and make money from it you're going to do far more damage than you even realize well, you know, there's actually not much of a difference. Um, I, I'd say that some of it is is the wording. Um, now, we're supposed to have a medium-sized dog, males around um, 50 pounds, females about 40, and the word about is put out there because it's not exact. Bulldogs don't get weighed. Some dogs do. Some dogs, they'll check the heights and stuff when you go to shows. Um, the standards aren't really... Ch- different in relation to that um now there are when it says about you will have some dogs bigger than that you'll have some dogs that are around you know 60 pounds um 65 pounds even um they will look different in the ring than others around them it'll look bigger but if they're balanced you know and and proportionate and and have all the other characteristics that don't take away from the breed qualities or the type qualities um size is usually not an issue um so in regard to the standards um when i look at them fci uk even the united kennel club um and akc i'm a bulldog club of america member so the bca here we basically write the standard for the akc so um and that that standard has been in effect since the 1900s It, it hasn't changed aside from adding disqualifications so the disqualifications that we have now are listing colors and that's solely because you know we did have some unethical breeding going on cross breeding and it was kind of to try and protect the breed as much as we could protect the the um, stud book as much as we could so there's disqualifications now or dqs um, for liver color nose any any eye other than like a dark eye so you don't can't go in there with a bulldog with a blue eye um any nose color other than black um these odd colors you know it specifically mentions merle um and as far as some of the things like i find that some of the overseas standards they will specifically state, like, the dog has to be healthy. It has to have open nares. We don't want to see the dog in distress in any way whatsoever. Um, they still have not listed a specific disqualification for
for certain colors. They'll say highly undesirable. They will say that the, the nose should be as black and wide as possible. Um, but I'm, I'm pretty certain that some of those uh, registries now will not even register any of the colors that are, uh, you know, the non-standard colors, like the, just a normal, typical red brindles, fawns, you know, piebalds. Um, as far as what I had been reading, they don't even register like Merle Bulldogs anymore. Now, whether or not people go around the back door and say it's, you know, a different color just to get papers on it, that's one thing. But um, across the board, the standards will definitely tell you it's a medium-sized dog. Um, it should show great stability, strength, vigor, um, confidence, courage. Um, all of the things seem fairly fairly very similar and I think it's all because they're probably based off the original um, standard that came from Great Britain you know where they, they started this and, and tried to protect the dogs after bull baiting um, came outlawed in 1835 so as far as seeing anything different not really um, FCI says that you that their their teeth should be scarcely visible or not visible at all the lower anterior teeth of the bulldog um because it has that jaw, the bracky breed, that it sticks out. It's very undershot. So FCI says, you know, we shouldn't have, we shouldn't be able to see the teeth. Um, the AKC says that the teeth are scarcely visible. So it says sort of they can be seen, you know. Um, but I think that's mostly to uh, move away from having a dog that's so undershot that the lower incisors are are you know being shown and we've i'm sure you have many people have seen bulldogs that look like that you know doesn't mean it's not a good pet or a healthy dog it's just that's not what we look for in confirmation shows um but other than that i didn't see any great difference between like height weight um nothing like that actually across the the board with the dogs like i said the disqualifications um with the standards little bit different but all promoting health none promoting any sort of exaggeration in the breed um all states wrinkles should be clean um nothing that obscures or covers the nose um the nose should always be wide and black as possible with open nares and i mean if a lot of people say oh they can't breathe they can't breathe if you breed a dog to the standard with wide open nostrils and you have the length of skull that it's supposed to have. It is not a flat-faced breed. It is a short-faced breed, but not flat. There's, if you breed to the standard, you're going to get a good dog. You know, you do some health testing, find preservation breeders across the board, whichever registry, you know. As long as you breed to the standard, those standards are there to show the, the blueprint for you to produce a, a healthy dog. So that's my opinion on all of those, on the different, now I'm no expert, like I will tell you 100%, I'm not a historical expert. I, again, I'm a Bulldog Club of America member, so I go by what we, we do here um, with the AKC, you know, we're the parent club for the AKC, so they, you know, they go by basically how the Bulldog Club of America wants the standard to be written. Um, but again, I don't see much of a difference, mainly with just disqualifications 
again, there's no minimum max. You've, you've got like basically between 14, 15 inches. You know, it's, it's, it's a roughly bulldogs don't get measured. Um, you can have bitches, of course, to be smaller than a male. And I mean, probably one of my criticisms would be that people have kind of been breeding away from a larger dog, but when you do that, sometimes the males start to look like a female. So you lose a lot of that bone mass. Um, that would probably be something I feel I see a little bit, like at least in show rings, I feel like maybe the dogs have gotten a little bit more petite looking. Um, but again, you're looking at about a 40 pound female, 50 pound male, around 14 to 15 inches. Okay. I would take a male that's probably around 50, 55 pounds. I'd like him to have some substance to him. Um, I'd like uh, a nice a nice wide front with some turn of shoulder, so you, it should have look like it's got some shoulder. You're supposed to be able to see the rear feet between the front feet when that dog is stacked. I'm going to be looking for that. The bulldog should be pear-shaped. Um, so, again, that wider front, that's what gives them that great stability, you know, that beautiful look when you see the front of them mm -hmm. um, a lot of dogs like when I say I'm, I talk about like some substance there's not that heavy bone that I feel needs to be there um, I like a very muscled dog mm -hmm. so my dogs every day they we have about an acre fenced yard the dogs we warm up we walk the yard and then we do they do some sprints that's just what they do we have a, a rope swing if they want to go after the rope swing and you know because I, I a lot of dogs sometimes you see them it could be a really nice dog if they had a little bit more muscle mm -hmm. so I like my dogs to have a lot of muscle I like the shoulders to be built up I like the thighs to be defined um, I like my dogs to look very balanced so when we get beyond 14 15 inches you start to get a very leggy dog now, bulldogs need to have some leg. I do not like when they're too short and the chest is just a couple of inches from the ground. You know, I don't mm -hmm. like that super cobby look. Um, you get too much leg, and the dog starts to, you know, it can lose that, that wide chest. It can start to look like what's called a terrier front, so more like a staffy, you know, mm -hmm. and we're, we're not supposed to look like a staffy. Um, so I would say I, I, I like a male with a little, he can have a little bit more weight than 50 pounds as long as he is very balanced. Same with bitches. I mean, I, I'll take a, I've even seen bitches that were 50 pounds and look fantastic. You know, as long as they're balanced and have that nice wide front, nice shoulders, um, smaller rear, um, they've got to have a nice head. Um, compared to other breeds, their head is pretty big. It's pretty broad. Um, I like a nice layback, which is that angulation that the head's supposed to have. I like a longer face. The bulldog head from the front should look square, but actually it should be more like the shape of a brick when you look at it. It should have length to it. And so I, I really like to see like the longer the longer head like that. They have to have what's called length of skull. So I really go for that. That original male that I had, he didn't have that much length, which then kind of took away from that angled face that they're supposed to have. That's why I said his head was kind of shelfy looking. So it went up, like, let's say, at an angle, and then the top of the head went completely flat. 
um, it should actually almost be like an angle from tip of lip to the top of the head. Mm-hmm. And um, I like them to have a lot of length in the skull. I actually feel like that helps with breathing. I like the nose to be very, very wide. Again, helps with, with breathing. I like to see a very well-muscled, defined dog that looks like it is healthy and active and can run and play. I don't need it to run a mile, but I need it to be able to be a dog. Mm-hmm. I take mine to the park. We like They love to go in the creek, so we take them to dog parks. Um, sometimes I'm not so much of a fan of dog parks, but because uh, a lot of times I think the owners just are so untrained themselves and they allow their dogs to enter space of other animals that they probably, you know, need some more manners. But um, where we take them, it's it's not a very crowded place and there's trails that you can kind of hike out through the forest and stuff. But we, we just let them go out and be dogs. Mm-hmm. You know, they run, they swim, they, you know, we, we just... We're a healthy family, and we like the dogs, you know, to come with us, too. Would I do that in 80-degree weather? No. But I really love to see a very muscled, very nice straight front, too, on the bulldog. You know, sometimes we see these kind of fiddly fronted um, fronts where the legs aren't, like, straight. They can be a little bit bowed, but I like a dog that looks very clean, straight lines, um, Nice wide front, nice turn of shoulder with muscles, very muscled thigh. Um, I like it to have up tuck, so so you'll see like their their chest will come down, nice barrel chest, and then it should come up at the back, like below the below the loins back there. It should kind of sweep up. You've got a lot of dogs, you know. You see some bulldogs that are obese and they don't have any up tuck at all. They just have like this round shape, you know, at the back of them. They're definitely not shaped like a pear if you looked at them, you know, over top looking down. Kind of look like a tube. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't mind a white bulldog. I have no pro. I mean, the sire of my male right now is almost solid white. His sire was solid white. I mean, I have no problem with white bulldogs Mm -hmm. um, as long as they don't have blue eyes, if they're not demonstrating, you know, lack of pigment. Um, A lot of the white bulldogs now, they can get what's called bear tested to make sure their their hearing is is intact. Mm -hmm. Um, Most of the time, there's really not, at least I've found, and I could be totally wrong, um, any sort of hearing issue unless there's a pigment problem Mm -hmm. so you'll see that in a lot of dogs where the pigment instead of being black is pink you know the eyes might be lighter Um, but most of the time you've got any sort of black pigment on that dog black solid pigment around the eyes and mouth you know that I don't find there to be an over uh, like a a huge problem with deafness with the breed with white dogs Mm -hmm. um one thing with a white a white dog, I think, like it's very hard to hide any sort of fault it may have. Right. You know, sometimes you've got color on the dog and it makes it flashy and you can kind of, eyes can get distracted. But when you've got a, a nice white bulldog, you know, it's hard to hide much on it. Um, and then some breeders have said once you get white, you always get white. Mm-hmm. Um, so once you start breeding to it, you kind of breed out other color. But I haven't found that yet to happen to me i've always had like a mixed bag of color mm-hmm. um, when i've bred you know i usually do end up with one that has a lot of white on it but we we mostly have like piebald or red you know some reds too so mm-hmm. but i i like white dogs i have no problem with them some no. of the most beautiful dogs i've seen were white 
No, I agree. I agree. Could you talk about the history as you know it? So, I mean, it, it, it's kind of questionable as far as how far back we can go. Some people are saying 12th, 13th century. We see some, you know, we see that there was like the bull baiting dog. The dogs, you know, they say where, where they originated from. They did bull baiting, you know, it's that kind of a blood sport. Um, the dogs are meant to be a little bit smaller, medium sized. So, um, then they were supposed to be, you know, again, of great strength, stability. The dog was created to have that wider front, you know, so it could get down, maneuver beneath a, a bull. Um, supposedly had wrinkle in order to, like, stream blood away from the face. Um, we've got the undershot jaw to help it hang on. Um, and so that was kind of the course of the dog. Um, they say there's a molosser buried in there. Um, again, speculative, not sure, but possible so we have them like kind of as descendants from some other sort of uh let's see what what type of breed would that be now so like a mastiff type breed mm-hmm. um so then around 1835 then we've got um bull baiting outlawed in great britain at which time you know is when the bulldog was supposed to basically become extinct too but what had happened and again this is just you know, I don't know that it's all fact, but, you know, just what I've read and learned, that some people took the breed, you know, underground. Some of them, they still did, like, pit fighting with them, cross them with some of the terriers, and that's kind of how we have staffies now and pit bulls. Um, but so there was still blood sport. It was just kind of underground. And then around that time, though, same time, some people were like, no, we've got to save this breed, and and breed out all that tenacity and all that aggression that was in it because we you know produce dogs that are meant to you know fight a, a much larger animal than itself so their goal was to preserve it but to preserve it in a way where we took out that aggressiveness um so then starting in like the later 1800s then we've got some some people in great britain who were like we're you know breeding out those tenacious qualities some people say they were mixed with pug you know pug brought back in i'm not entirely sure if that's 100 percent accurate either it could be um but again we had them trying to turn them into a breed that still had you know great stability vigor strength courage but was also affectionate and could be a family dog um and so that's where we kind of end up at the later 1800s people in america adopted the same same idea they formed their first club um in boston i think in like the 1890s um they brought over some of the what they thought were the best dogs from great britain here to start some nice american lines on them and then by around the 1900s we have the bulldog club of america with their standard Mm -hmm. and that standard has been in place till now um, the only things that have changed were, again, the disqualifications. So we had a disqualification in the early 1900s for liver nose. Um, and then moving on just a few years ago, then adding those um, disqualifications for eye color and some of those off colors like Merle. Mm-hmm. So bulldogs typically do not breed naturally. Um, and if they do, there's, you know, I would say it's with some assistance. Um, I would say it's their anatomy that makes it much difficult to do that, too. Lots of times, um, bulldogs have, like, a higher rear than they have a higher front. So, anatomically, when you get a dog on top of another dog with a higher rear, it, it 
it's almost like looking at like one dog was standing straight and the other dog was kind of like a seesaw and we can't kind of meet it together. We can help them, you know, to breed that way. Most of the time, I would say it's done with artificial insemination. So we would collect from a male um, and then we can we can ship that. That's another great thing that's come about with AI because at least you can you can ship all over the country. You can ship overseas. You know, you're no longer stuck with having to breed with what's local to you. Um, so yeah, it's typically with artificial insemination. So the male is um, collected on, and then the semen would be artificially inseminated in a female. There are multiple ways to do that. I mean, you can just do a side-by-side breeding, and and many breeders are confident um, inserting the semen into the female. Um, Typically, we also do progesterone testing with the female so that we know what the perfect time to breed is. So we would check for ovulation, progesterone. Um, Once you get to a certain level, it's okay to breed. Sometimes at breeding, if you have the actual ovulation date, dog is more fertile two days later. So, you know, just depending on which, you know, repro vet or theory you want to follow. Some people say, hey, as soon as the female reaches this number, you can go right ahead and breed. Some say, nope, once they're at that number, do it two days later. And then you can wait a day and do it again. You know, everybody has their their different sort of an idea. But typically, it's artificial insemination. Um, some people will assist, you know, and have the female lay down and allow the male to mount and, and do it naturally. Um, but with AI, it's very simple and easy. And like I said, you can transport and ship, you know, wherever you need to. Um, as far as the birthing for the females, um, there are, a, especially overseas, there are a lot of people that let them self-whelp. Um, I am very hesitant to do that. Um, most people that I know are very hesitant to do it too. Um, typically, when we do that ovulation date, we can count gestation from it. So we'd know when the normal um, whelping date would be or delivering date would be. And typically, we would schedule a C-section at that time and deliver the puppies that way. Um, Lots of people, you know, will say, oh, it's because, you know, bulldogs, they're out of shape. They don't have the capacity to push out or whelp a litter. Um, and that's not truly the case. Um, any healthy, active female should not have a problem doing something like that. And that could happen to any dog in any breed, you know. But the concern is that within the breed, there is something called water puppies. Um, as of yet, nobody really knows why those puppies are born that way. Um, They think it might be something that's metabolic, um, but those dogs, for whatever reason, aren't able to process or flush fluids and waters out out of themselves. So it might be a puppy equal gestation as the others, but it might be twice as large as the others. So that's where the fear comes in. You know, if you have a large puppy that's stuck in the birth canal, you could you lose the entire litter and your bitch, you know. So most of the time it's definitely done as a precaution and out of great caution. Um, and again, nobody really knows. There is a study actually that's been going on where a lot of breeders who have produced, um, they also call them walrus puppies, they will um, donate them 
and there's a study out there now where they're trying to figure out why it is that those puppies are produced, and there really is no answer yet. Um, Sometimes they find, they say that it's dietary. I've talked to other, to vets that have said, no, they don't believe that that's true. Like some people, some breeders believe like no salt for the female, you know, the last two weeks, no salt at all, the entire pregnancy. Um, But like some vets say, well, you shouldn't have a problem processing salt unless, like if you're a healthy individual, all of us can have excess salt at some time, you know, unless you have some sort of problem, that shouldn't be the issue. So a lot of people don't, don't believe that. Um, Some say there's like an absolute genetic component.